0: Here I begin my song, and first I pray to the muses, to come down from Mount Helicon into my heart to aid my epic tale. Every ear should hear of that awful strife, that clamorous deed of war, and tell how the mice proved their valor against the frogs, and rivaled the exploits of the earth-born giants who warred with the gods as the story is told among mortals. This is how the war began. One day, a thirsty mouse, who had escaped the ferret, his deadly foe, set his soft nose to the dewy bank of a pond, and revelled in the sweet-tasting water. From the bank, a loud-voiced frog caught sight of him. And thus he spoke to the mouse Who are you, O stranger? Whence come you to this shore, and what father begot you? Tell me this truly, and let me not find you lying. For if I deem you worthy to be my friend, I will take you to my house and give you many noble gifts, the like that men give to their guest friends. I am the king. Puffjaw, and am honored in all the pond, being ruler of the frogs age upon age. The father that brought me up was Mudman, who mated with Water Lady by the banks of the famed river Eridanus. I see indeed that you are well looking and more valiant than others, a sceptred king and a warrior in battle. But come, Make haste, and tell me your descent." Thus Puffjaw the king spoke. And then the mouse, Crumbsnatcher, answered him and said, Why do you ask my lineage, which is well known among all, both gods, and men, and the birds of heaven? Crumbsnatcher I am called, and I am the son of Breadnibbler, my stout-hearted father and my mother, Quirinlicker, the daughter of Hamnar the king. She bore me in the mouse-hole, and nourished me with rich foods, figs, and nuts of all kinds. But how are you to make me your friend, I who am altogether different? For you live in the water, but I am used to such foods as men have. I never miss the thrice-kneaded bread-loaf in its neat, round basket or the thin wrapped cake full of sesame and cheese, or the slice of ham or liver dressed in white fat, or cheese just curdled from sweet milk, or delicious honey cake which even the blessed gods long for, or any of all those delicacies that cooks make for the feasts of mortal men, larding their pots and pans with spices of all kinds. In battle I have never flinched from the first rush, but plunged straight into the fray and fought among the front ranks of warriors. I do not fear men, though their bodies are vast, but run along their beds and bite the tips of their toes and nibble at their heels, and the man feels no harm, and his sweet sleep is not broken by my biting. But there are two foes I fear above all else the whole world over, the hawk and the ferret, for these bring great grief upon me, and the dreadful traps laid by men that take mice to a treacherous doom. Most of all, I fear the ferret, so relentless as to follow you still even when you dive down to your hole. I gnaw no radishes and cabbages and pumpkins, nor feed on green leeks and parsley, for these are food for you who dwell in the lake. Then Puffjaw the king smiled and answered him, Stranger, you boast too much of matters of the belly. We too have many marvels to be seen, both in the lake and on the shore, for great Zeus the son of Cronus has given us frogs the power to lead two lives, dwelling as we will in two elements. And so we leap on land and plunge beneath the water as well. If you would learn of all these things, noble stranger, it is easily done. Only climb upon my back and hold me tight lest you be lost, and you shall come rejoicing into my house." Thus spoke the frog, and he offered up his back. And the mouse nimbly leapt at once, holding his paws upon the king's shining neck. Now at first, while he still saw the land above, he was well pleased and delighted by puff jaws gliding across the waters. But when dark waves began to wash over him, he wept aloud and cursed his ill-starred plans. He tore his fur and tucked his paws against his belly, while within him his heart quaked as he entered a strange, watery world. And he longed for the dry shores, groaning through the grip of chilling fear. He put out his tail upon the water, and worked it like a steering oar, and uttered prayers to the gods That he might return to the land. But when the watery surge flowed around him, he cried loudly and said, Not like this did Zeus, the divine bull, bear on his back the beloved cargo, when he brought Europa across the sea to Crete. Not as this frog carries me over the waters to his house, raising his speckled back over the deep. Then, of a sudden, a water snake appeared, a horrid sight for mouse and frog alike, and held his neck upright above the water. And when he saw it, King Puffjaw dove at once, never thinking how helpless a friend he would leave to perish in the tides. But down to the bottom of the lake he went, and escaped the day of doom. But the mouse deserted plopped upon his back on the face of the waters. He wrung his paws and squeaked in the throes of death. Many times he sank beneath the water, and many times rose up again, kicking his little legs. But he could not escape his fate, for his wet fur weighed him down. Then, at the last moments, as he was perishing, he said these words. Puffjaw, king, your treachery shall not go unpunished. You tossed me from your body as from a rock. Coward! On land you would not have had the better of me, in boxing or wrestling or running. But now you have tricked me to my defeat, and cast me in the lake. The heavens watch us all with avenging eyes, and surely our legions of mice shall not let you escape." With these words Crumb Snatcher the Mouse breathed out his soul upon the water. But yonder, on the soft bank of the lake, sat Lickplate, who looked on as his comrade died upon the deep, and he raised a dreadful cry from his grieving heart, and ran and told the mice. And when they heard of Crum-Snatcher's fate, all the mice were seized with fierce anger and commanded their heralds to summon the people to assemble at dawn at the house of Bread-Nibbler, the father of poor Crum-Snatcher. And when the mice came in haste at dawn, Bread-Nibbler the father stood up first and raged at the death of his son, and thus he spoke. "Friends." fellow mice even if i alone had suffered great injustice from the frogs rest assured that this is a first attempt at evil for you all and now i am truly wretched for i have lost three sons first the dreaded ferret seized one catching him outside his hole then ruthless men dragged another to his doom by ungodly arts, when they laid a wooden snare, a destroyer of mice, which they call a trap. There was a third, whom I and his dear mother loved well, and him, King Puffjaw, has carried out into the deep and drowned. Come then, mice, let us arm ourselves and march forth against them, arrayed in our finest mail." With such words he persuaded them all to arm themselves. And Ares, god of war, equipped them. First the mice fastened on their greaves, covered their shins with green bean pods they had gnawed in two. Their breastplates were the hide of a ferret, a fallen foe, skillfully stretched tight, over reeds. For shields, each mouse had the boss of a lamp. And their spears were needles of bronze, the craft of Ares. And the helmets upon their brows were nutshells. Thus the mice dressed themselves for battle. But when the frogs caught wind of it, they rose up from the water, and gathered a council together in one place, to speak. Of grievous war. And while they questioned how the quarrel arose and the cause of this anger, a herald from the mice drew near, bearing a wand in his paws. It was Pot Robber, the son of Great Hearted Cheese Carver. He bore the grim message of war, speaking thus Frogs. The mice have sent me with their threats against you, and bid you arm yourselves for battle. For they have seen Crumb-snatcher lying in the water, whom your king Puffjaw slew. Fight then, all you who are warriors among the frogs." Thus the son of great-hearted cheese-carver spoke. And when this noble speech came to their ears, the proud frogs were troubled in their hearts, and began to blame Puffjaw, their king. But he rose up among them, and said to them, Friends, I have killed no mouse, nor did I see one perish. He was surely drowned while playing by the lake, and imitating the swimming of us frogs. And now these fools blame me, who has no guilt in this matter. Come then, let us sit in council, and decide how we may crush the wily mice. But first I will tell you what I think to be the best. Let us all clad ourselves in our armor, and take our stand at the very edge of the lake where the ground falls off steep by the water. Then, when they come out and charge against us, let each frog seize the mouse who attacks him and cast them all down with their helmets into the lake. That's how we drown these creatures of the land in our water. And there, joyfully, shall we set up a trophy of our victory over the mice. With these winged words, Puffjaw persuaded the frogs to arm themselves. They covered their shins with mallow leaves, and wore breastplates made of fine green beet leaves and wielded cabbage leaves for shields crafted with great skill. Each frog was equipped with a long pointed rush for a spear, and smooth snail shells to cover their heads. Then they hopped forth and stood in close ranks upon the high bank of the lake, waving their spears, and their hearts were filled with courage. While this took place, up in the starry reaches of the sky, the great King Zeus called the gods together, and showed them the scene on earth of so many armed ranks and valiant warriors of frogs and mice all bearing long spears. They looked as fearsome as the centaurs and the giants. Then Zeus asked his fellow gods, with a sly smile, Now, who of you immortals will help the frogs, and who will side with the mice? And turning to Athena, he said to her, My daughter, will you lend your mighty aid to the mice? for they play around your temple all the day long, delighting in the fat of sacrifice and all kinds of food. Zeus, the son of Cronos, said these words. But the goddess Athena answered him darkly, I would never go to help the mice in dire straits. They have always made trouble for me, ruining my garlands and my lamps to get the oil. And this, worst of all, they've eaten holes in my sacred robe, which I wove carefully, spinning a fine woof on a fine warp, and they made it full of holes. But even so, neither will I help the frogs. Once, when I was returning early from war, I was exhausted, and though I wanted nothing more than to sleep, their croaking wouldn't let me doze, even for a little while. And so I lay awake, sleepless, with a headache, until the cock crowed. No, gods, no. Let's not help these armies, or one of us may get wounded with a sharp spear, for they fight fiercely, hand to hand, even if a god would come against them. Instead, let's have our fun up here, amusing ourselves as we watch the fight from our heavens. So said the goddess Athena, and the other gods agreed with her, and they all went off together. Then down at the lake, the little gnats, swirling in the air, with great trumpets, sounded the dreaded note of war, and Zeus, the son of Kronos, thundered from the sky, a sign of grievous battle. The glittering ranks of frogs and the charging mice met one another with a mighty crash, and a terrible struggle ensued. First, the frog Loud Croaker wounded Lick Mouse in the belly. Down he fell on his face and soiled his soft fur in the dust as his armor clattered around him. Next, Cave Dweller hurled his spear at the son of Mud Frog. And drove the strong spear deep into his breast; thus he fell, and black death seized him as his spirit left him. Then Beety struck Pot Robber to the heart and killed him, and Bread Nibbler hit Loud Croaker in the belly. Now, when Pond Larker saw Loud Croaker perishing, he struck quickly and wounded Cave Dweller in his soft neck with a rock and darkness veiled his eyes. When he saw this, Swifty was overcome with grief, and struck out with his sharp reed, and felled his enemy there and then. Lickmouse hurled a bright spear flawlessly, and as he marked Cabbage Eater running away, he fell on the steep bank, yet even so did not cease fighting, but struck his foe, so that he fell and did not rise again. Reedy took to flight when he saw Ham Nibbler and fled headlong, plunging into the lake and throwing away his shield. Then, Blameless Pot Robber killed Brewer, and Water Blessed killed Mighty Ham Nibbler, striking him on the head with a pebble. Splendid Muck Coucher sprang upon Lick Plate and brought darkness upon his eyes. And the frog Leaky saw it and dragged Lickplate by the foot, though he was already dead, to drown in the lake. But Crum was fighting to avenge his dead comrades, and hit Leaky before he reached the land, and he fell forward at the blow, and his soul flitted down to Hades. And seeing this, Cabbage Climber took a clod of mud and hurled it at the mouse, plastering all his forehead and nearly blinding him. Now Crum Eater was enraged, and caught up in his strong hand a huge stone that lay upon the ground, a heavy burden on the soil. And with that he hit Cabbage Climber below the knee, hurling him on his back in the dust. But Croaker kept Crum Eater off, and rushing at the mouse, hit him in the middle of the belly and drove the whole reed spear into him and as he drew the spear back, his foe's life gushed out upon the ground. Now there was one among the mice, Slice-snatcher, who surpassed all the rest in the arts of war. The dear son of Narr, the son of the hero Breadstealer, a warrior who threatened to destroy the Frog's utterly root and branch. He split a chestnut husk into two parts along the joint, then wore the two hollow pieces as armor on his paws. And when they saw him, the frogs lost their nerve, and all rushed down to the lake. Slice-snatcher would have made true his threat with his incredible strength. But just then, up in starry heaven, the son of Kronos, the father of gods and men, took pity on the frogs. Zeus shook his bearded head and spoke, Oh dear, what a terrible sight at the lake. Slice Snatcher is rushing among the frogs, causing dread and panic. Let's hurry and send warlike Athena or even Ares who can stop this fighting. So argued the father of gods and men. But Hera, the queen of Olympus, answered him, Son of Cronos, neither the might of Athena nor of Ares can save the frogs from total destruction now. Instead, come and let us all go to help them. Or else you can let loose your weapon, the titan-killing lightning that slew Capaneus and great Enceladus and the savage giants. Thus Hera spoke, and Zeus took up his lightning bolt and cast it with a mighty blast of thunder that made Olympus shake. Thus he terrified them all down at the lake, frogs and mice alike, hurling his bolt upon them. Yet even so, the army of the mice pressed the attack to destroy the warrior frogs. But the son of Kronos, up on Olympus, had mercy on the frogs and sent them helpers right away. So there came suddenly from the waters a new band of warriors, with armored backs and curving claws, crooked beasts that walked sideways, with jaws that cracked nuts, and hides that were hard shells. Bony, flat-backed, with glistening shoulders and bandy legs, and stretching arms and eyes that looked out behind them. And they had eight legs— and two feelers, these persistent creatures called the crabs. They sallied forth, scuttling across the bank, and threatened to nip off the tails and paws and feet of the mice with their claws, and spears were powerless against their armored frames. The mice feared the crabs, and none stood against them, each turning tail and fleeing, from their path. Already the sun had set, and so came the end of the one-day war, the Battle of Frogs and Mice.